You are listening to episode 98 of The STEM Space. Claire and I discuss how the history of engineering education tends to focus on the evolution of departments and colleges labeled as engineering. But what about the female-dominated home economics fields of study? So in 1930 to 1950, women can major in household equipment, which focuses on scientifically based understanding of household technologies. Students took math and physics, conducted labs that involved dismantling refrigerators to assess the application of thermodynamic principles. That sounds a lot like engineering. Listen for more of this fascinating history and our ideas of what all students should know about engineering and technology. Enjoy. Hey, I'm Claire. And I'm Natasha. From college roommates to co-founders of Vivify STEM, pull up a seat as we discuss our experiences as aerospace engineers, teachers, moms, program directors, curriculum writers, graduate students, and friends. This is the STEM Space Podcast. Hey, Natasha. Hey, Claire. What are you up to? I am reading a bunch of stuff because I'm in three different grad classes and one of them is taught by a librarian who clearly believes reading is important. <laughs> it, it is important, but it is yeah. Important, but it's see. overwhelming. Every week I'm reading like hundreds of pages of like scientific papers. The class is literature, how to write a literature review, but a systematic literature review. So we need to read mm. literature on literature reviews. You bored yet? It, that hurts my brain. <laughs> yeah. But the class that I'm reading for right now is a history of engineering education. Hmm. So it's the evolution of how we prepare engineers to become engineers. Mm -hmm. um, and it's been pretty interesting. But there is this article, this paper that I have to share with you. Okay. Okay. So there was this program in the early 1900s. It went all the way through 1986 at Iowa State College, and it was a degree in household equipment. Household equipment. That yes. seems very broad. It is. It was built with the idea that men were going to college to be better farmers, so like this <laughs> agricultural degree. So they were like, the women that are in the house, all of a sudden we have all these refrigerators and ovens and these really fancy equipment so women should be prepared to how to use the technology. Okay, wait. So the program was built around a fundamental assumption that women should acquire a practical yet scientifically based understanding of household technologies. So they had to appreciate its construction, operation, and repair. And in order to do that, they took physics and engineering classes, but inside a culturally acceptable boundary of women's knowledge. Whoa. Okay. <laughs> so many things there. What's your reaction? Um, I mean, my immediate reaction was being offended, but then I have to dial that back and be like, okay, why am I offended? Yeah. And is it because it's the cultural acceptable, like that, that piece of it? But also, I see value that should be opened up to anybody on understanding how all these things work. Because how often have I called somebody because I needed my fridge repaired or I needed my washing machine repaired? If you had this degree, you in 
one of your classes would have taken apart a refrigerator mm -hmm. and understood the thermodynamics of how it works and then been also able to repair it and put it back together. They did this with ovens, with like waffle irons. They tested the conductivity of surfaces. They could change fuses, but they weren't called engineers, right? Mm, yeah, they see, were, yeah. It's so but close then, to being awesome. Okay, so... But think about where those women would have been if that program didn't exist, because they were not allowed yet, acceptably allowed, socially acceptably allowed to go into engineering. So they were kind of mm -hmm. funneled into this other degree. And the professor's like, uh-uh, just because you're a woman doesn't mean you're going <laughs> to not learn all the science behind how this stuff works. Mm -hmm. So then the war comes and all of a sudden there aren't enough guys that are mm -hmm. doing engineering work. So they pull women from this program thinking, okay, close enough. And the women are like outshining everybody because they like understand all the physics. They're basically mechanics. This is really and interesting. And they've used all the things. They've, yeah. And it was all because we just want you to be better housewives. <laughs> like that was the context mm -hmm. and like marketing it to people. But they also were saw themselves as like the bridge between the companies building these crazy technologies to them, it was crazy, right? Like, what do you mean? There's this microwave that like radiates my food <laughs> and trying to make it understandable to women who are the ones using it, like the consumers, like educating them on the products they're using. Mm. Ooh. So I really like the concept of really helping people understand the things that they're using and empowering them to be able to use it well and fix it when it's not working. And that is like the whole, there, there's a shift right now, I feel like in a, um, secondary education to where people are learning more trades, which I think is fantastic. We need more of that. I feel like that's been kind of a lost art from mm -hmm. years ago. But the fact that they weren't also getting the the recognition of the the title and, hey, you, uh, you have this knowledge, now I'm gonna say that you have this knowledge, that, I'm glad is no longer a thing. Hopefully that's no longer a thing. It, I looked it up. And so it went through 1986 um, and then it got phased out hmm. and there really isn't a replacement for it. Like in engineering, we don't learn how stuff works in that way. Like I never took apart a refrigerator. Did you? I remember, no, but I remember going to your house once and like your dryer or something wasn't working and you're like, I don't know what to do. And you're like, we've got a house full of engineers. Like, how do <laughs> I was like, That's well, true. do you have a tool bag? Like, we can take it apart. <laughs> Let's yep. see if we can figure it out. But I mean, I have been asked to fix things so often that I'm like, I, I can build an airplane, but um, I don't know what's inside that cover on that thing that we use I was every not day. trained <laughs> to fix things. Yeah. And that would be so helpful. I feel like that yeah. should be like the home ec of engineering. They should have, here's an intro to engineering. Here's a bunch of equipment that you've used your whole life. We're going to take it apart and talk about the practical side of how you're using it. And then we're going to bring in the science that you're going to use like, oh, you know, thermodynamics, you're going to need this for airplanes and rockets. But let's talk about how it works in a refrigerator and how there's mm -hmm. a heat sink to draw out the heat. Like you need to know all these things. Uh, to be able to use the stuff that you use every day properly. So I, I think we should bring that back. That was my takeaway. This is really defining, is one way to think about engineering for the masses. Mm. Like everyone should understand how things work. And we're struggling right now in K-12 to define what 
engineering learning is about. It's like, what should a third grader know about engineering? What should a ninth grader? And thinking of it from like this practical perspective of the technology you use every day, the engineering that's behind it and empowering you, love that word that you used, empowering you to be a knowledgeable consumer. So you know how to compare different devices, which one's better, how to fix it, how to use it the way it's meant to be used. So this is kind of like the technology engineering mix. Mm -hmm. But flipping back to the historical aspect, the fact that they weren't called engineers drives me crazy. Yeah. And it's in that in the history books. I read mm -hmm. this whole book um, in this class about the evolution of engineering programs. And it starts from like the 1800s and apprenticeships and it moves all the way to today. And it's all these men that are building these programs and designing how do we teach future engineers. And they never mention these women who were taking the same classes applied to a refrigerator instead of like, whatever, an airplane or an engine, um, but they're understanding the physics. And that was proven when they were forced to go into the workplace um, during the war and like prove that they were as capable. And often the faculty in that department were women. So they were women that were oh. ahead in their field. So they got a training in physics or in chemistry that came to this college to teach these girls. So it wasn't just like random faculty. Mm -hmm. um, so I would love to like dive into who these people were like having some case studies to highlight these women, especially on the faculty who are like designing these programs and trying to like empower women within this very constrained sphere of like what's acceptable. Mm -hmm. um, I don't know. I feel like there's a whole story there that we have never heard before. We need to find somebody. Let's find yeah. somebody, bring them on the podcast. 1986. Mm -hmm. Okay. So they'd be um, older. <laughs> Yeah, uh, <laughs> depending on where they were in their career, or if it's a graduate yeah. of the program, mm -hmm. that would be really interesting. And how that degree, how did they use it? And did they see themselves as an engineer? Because mm -hmm. a lot of them became salespeople. They didn't go into like engineering fields. They were the ones selling the products that they learned about. So I know I was like, oh, that's so frustrating. <laughs> oh my goodness. I have so many questions. Okay. We're going to find a person and bring them on because, yeah, I want to talk more about this. But this also makes me think, well, how can we use this for K-12? And uh, so I, I really wanted last year to have a take-apart table. And I know some other teachers do this too, but I just didn't have enough room in my classroom uh, where I you just take a bunch of stuff, appliances, basically, and you just have them on a table with a bunch of tools and kids after, like early finishers get to go over there and just take stuff apart and put it together. So they get to see the little parts that go into a whatever. Uh, mm -hmm. and, and we get to talk about them and what they do and what they're for. There's a circuit board in this. Did you know that? Did you know how this is powered? Do you know that there's gears that turn this thing? Uh, and I think that's would be so valuable for kids to get their hands on the things that they use and wow, it's not magic. Mm -hmm. I feel like that's, that's the piece that a lot of kids miss. They think that things just work magically. <laughs> and they carry that into adulthood and they're, ooh, shiny new technology. And it's also empowering adults to understand all that marketing that's put out there mm -hmm. that's trying to like cover up that something that's not really new, just like marketing it in a new way or false misleading advertising, that is so useful. And that's where this got me thinking, what 
is the point of engineering in K-12. I used to think, and a lot of the literature and like researchers are like, it's about developing a pipeline of engineers. It's trying to get more kids into these engineering jobs because it'll be better for their future. And I still think engineering is an amazing pathway, but I think that just doesn't make it, I don't believe that anymore. <laughs> you know, <laughs> like it's so much more than that. I'm right there with you. Yes. Yes. <laughs> those kids should take stuff apart. Not because you're trying to get all of them to become engineers and go work at NASA, but because they should just know how stuff works to make their lives better. Yes. Yes. I agree. And to make so, other people's lives better. There yeah. are so many times, I mean, solve their own I'm, problems. Moving out to the country uh, was Ooh. a shock for a lot of for a lot of reasons, but, uh, you know, I grew up in big city and then coming out here, the biggest thing that I noticed was that people in the city and I'm making generalizations. So please, anybody who's listening, don't get offended. <laughs> I'm from the city. I live in the country. I feel like I'm part of both worlds. So I represent, but, uh, in the city, I feel like people were, I do this, like I have this skill or this hobby where more so I see out in rural areas by necess necessity is that people are more skilled in a, a broader range of things. So for example, there was a time when I was working at um, as an engineer and somebody's uh, house, like there was a tornado and it like ripped apart somebody's house. And all these people came out and said, oh, I can do mason work. And so they like did brick work and otherwise like, oh, I'm a painter. Oh, I'm a plumber. I can do all these things. I'm like, no, you're not. Y'all, y'all build airplanes at our factory. And they're like, oh yeah, but I do this on the side. I just, something that I just picked up and learned how to do. They just knew how to do all these things. I'm like, wow, how? that's amazing. Like you didn't go to school for that. And I like just figured it out by just doing it and by trying, because we had to, there wasn't anybody to come out here. You can't just call mm -hmm. the local shop and have somebody come out and repair your stuff. Like, no, you have to figure it out. And I think we should help kids not only so they understand and like see how all these things work, but so that they feel like instead of saying, Oh, I need to call somebody to do this. Oh, let me figure it out. Can I solve the problem first? And that I think is, is so valuable. And how to access that information is often not taught to students. Mm -hmm. There, YouTube is an amazing place to Google, like, how to paint your house or whatever, you know, like YouTube video tutorials on fixing so many things, but sorting through that and like, what are the good reputable sources versus someone who maybe is just trying to sell you something or trying to pitch a product would be such a valuable skill. And now we have mm -hmm. social media and TikTok and that is like, everything kids are consuming every day, like hours and hours of these videos, how can we help them understand what all these videos are trying maybe to get them to do something or to think a certain way and how they're influencing them. So they are just more aware because we're not, yeah, we're it's, it's just not in school, right? We're just like, turn off your phone, put it away. Mm -hmm. I don't want to see it in my classroom is often what teachers are doing. Yeah. It's because they probably don't know how to teach it too. And I think the biggest way that I was trying to combat that was having kids learn how to ask the right questions. Like you have to be able to think through, okay, what is it that I'm really trying to figure out? And like, like you're saying, like marketing is such a huge deal and that can really cloud your mind. And that goes back to, you remember in elementary school, you'd have to filter through the extraneous information in a word problem. 
you know, they're going to throw all this random stuff at you oh, just sure. because it, <laughs> because so it has numbers. Now. Are you tracking with me? Yeah. <laughs> In a word problem, it's like, oh, there's a number there. Well, is it actually useful? Yeah, it'd is be like Bob the- and Sue and Lucy and da 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 da, and <laughs> yeah. they're five foot and three, and, and you're like, wait, what is right. information? But that doesn't help me know how many watermelons they're buying, you know? Yeah. <laughs> and I, I think that's that's still true when you're sifting through internet, like YouTube videos. Like, is that actually solving my problem? Like, what is my, what is, what are the questions that I need to have mm. answered? So you need to be able to ask the right questions. And that is an AI thing with ChatGPT. It is, can you ask the right question to get the information you need? And that is a huge emerging job market of people that are able to ask good questions is going to prepare people for that career field. And that's where I see STEM teachers in this like open place that we have in education now where we're like, we don't really have standards. (laughs) We did this big survey, right? Mm -hmm. And a lot of teachers are saying, I can do whatever I want. And where in other classrooms, they have to hit certain standards, meet certain concepts, right? And it's a jam-packed curriculum. But maybe it's our STEM education space where we have the freedom, maybe, depends on your school, to add in some of this preparing kids to be consumers of all this media and all this technology maybe that's a place for it. Yeah, I think that's great. And even if you're not a STEM teacher, there's simple exercises that you can do to bring sort of that uh, thinking, that critical thinking piece as like a bell ringer. Something that I would do last year is with all of my kids when they'd come in, they had a like a riddle that they had to solve. And it was, I was trying to get them to ask good questions. So I'd say, you know, what is, um, I don't know, the riddle <laughs> didn't, <laughs> didn't come prepared, but I don't know what is black and white and red all over, you know, something silly. And they'd Newspaper. be like, yeah, you already knew it. <laughs> but before they would guess, I was like, you can't guess. Oh, you have sorry. to ask the questions and be like, is it living? You know, is it, uh, I don't know, whatever the questions are, but ask questions. Yeah. Don't just guess. You need to be able to ask good questions. That's my mystery box activity, oh. which was, the first day of my class, but let's save that for the next podcast. So there's a teaser because the next time I want to just get into this class that I'm teaching because mm. it has been a journey that I want to share. And we're only on week four. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I've been dying to hear about it. I know. Okay. I've been saving it for you. All these good stories. <laughs> so stay tuned. Natasha is going to share more about that next podcast episode. But for now, STEM space out. Did you know that we have a free resource library? It has a growing number of lesson plans, activity ideas, and videos to help you teach STEM. To gain access to this free resource library, all you have to do is subscribe to our free newsletter by going to vivifystem.com backslash subscribe.